It's my joy on this Mother's Day to welcome back to Alpha Street Baptist Church one of my favorite and one of our favorite preachers, the Reverend Dr. Professor Teresa Fry Brown, the bandy chair of homiletics at Emory University, sits at the highest level of the academy in preaching because she's that kind of preacher. She has blessed our congregation on multiple times, and now she joins with us on this Mother's Day, and we welcome her as God would speak through her into our hearts. As we get ready to give and to receive, won't you bow with me and be in prayer? Amazing God, for all the gifts of grace that you've seen fit to sow into our lives, we say thank you. And our thanksgiving is not only through our mouth and our lips and our words, but also in the sacrifice of our hearts. We give now and ask that you would grant wisdom and discernment to this leadership of this church family that we might be good stewards of the gifts of your daughters and sons. As we give unto you, we ask now that you prepare the word that we're going to receive. May it strengthen us to live as faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ in the midst of this time and the days in which we live. Bless our giving, bless our receiving, and bless our living out of your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? I've been young and am now older, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging for bread. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and God's mercy endureth to all generations. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. For when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. I thank the Lord for saving me. First, thanking God for another opportunity to share God's word. To the Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley, the prophetic genius of this Zion. To Dr. Judy Fences Williams, the ministerial staff, the officers, members, and friends of historic Alfred Street Baptist Church, daughters of dust and deliverance, sons of soil and salvation, I'm honored to be preaching here again and to be afforded the opportunity to share a word on Mother's Day. The text for today will come from Mark 7, verses 24 through 30 from the Common English Bible. Jesus left the place and went into the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know he had entered a house, but he couldn't hide. In fact, a woman whose young daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard about him right away. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. She, she begged Jesus to throw the demon out of her daughter. He responded, the children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. But she answered, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat children's crumbs. Good answer, he said. Go home. The, the demon has already left your daughter. When she returned home to her house, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So the topic for this Mother's Day is it's only mother's nature. It's only 
mother's nature. There, there is something spectacular and special and spiritual about the look that passes between a parent and child. And it's an inexplicable communication between a mother and child. The, the surgical snipping of the umbilical cord does not eliminate the connective tissue of 266 days of womb experience. It, it's a look of communicative heartbeat developed in utero, synchronized heartbeats, the, the look of love, the, the look of I told you so, you know better, pride, admiration, loyalty, deep agape love. We each have different definitions and expectations, relationships, stories and experience and memories of mother. This is not a one-size-fit-all proposition. Mothers are imperfect human beings. Most mothers do the best they have they can with what they have before them. Mothers are imperfect. They have dreams and hopes and fears and faults and faith. Mothers are every conceivable size and shape and color and height and intelligence, level of income, emotion, habit, age, race, and belief. Some mothers give emotional birth. Some give intellectual birth, some give spiritual birth, some social birth, some surrogate birth, some emergency birth, some marital birth, some adoptive birth. Some mothers have lost children in the womb, in the street, in shattered dreams and broken hopes. Mothers have died giving birth. Some have incarcerated children. Some have been incarcerated themselves. Some teach other mothers children. Some fill in the gap when birth mothers are not able to raise the child. Some mothers are physically unable to give birth, yet nurture countless children. Some choose not to birth children, but birth communities. But some mothers, if we're really, really honest with ourselves, are just worn out. Some are trauma-inducing, smothering, sick, sensory-deprivated mothers, resentful, possessive, parachute, obsessed, jealous mothers, infantilizing mothers, hypocritical mothers, hovering mothers, complicated, complicated, complicated mothers. And some mourn today because their mothers and other mothers are no longer present on this side of the Jordan. Some even reflect on those sayings that mothers have, that only mothers have. Wait until your father comes home. As long as you're happy, baby, do as I do and not do as I say and not as I do. What you're not going to do is, I brought you into this world and and I'll take you out. I'm not one of your little friends. Don't make me come in there. You think I'm playing? Fix your face. Don't touch anything when we go into this store. Don't ask for anything on the menu above $5 and a quarter. What did you think you were doing? As a daughter, a sister, a mother, an auntie, a step-grandmother, a great-grandmother, mentor, and friend, I know that mother's nature is multifaceted. So I'm drawn to a biblical mother who I heard Regina Bell say something about in 1993. If I could, I'd protect you from the sadness in your eyes, give you courage in a world of compromise. Yes, I would. If I could, I'd teach you all the things I've never learned. I'd help you cross the bridges that I burn. I would if I could. I'd try to shield your innocent from pain and be the part of life I gave you isn't mine. I'll watch you grow and then I'll let you go if I could, if I could, if I could. In the book of Matthew, and the book of March, wedged between Jesus walking on the water and the feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the sick at Genesaret and healing of the deaf man, is this small story about a mother and her efforts to save her child. It's one of 40 miracles in the New Testament. It's a pronouncement story of Jesus' fulfillment of the promise. It's a model story of mother's nature and persistent faith. 
Jesus is avoiding Galilee. He, he's been attacked on all sides, even by the people in Galilee. He, he sought some time away to teach the disciples privately. They've traveled 30 miles from Capernaum, and Jesus is trying to be incognito. Ministers know that's really hard to do, and, and sometimes we forget, people forget that we're just a person. But, but he, it, Mark says he enters a house. Matthew says he's still in transit. But he enters a house and didn't want anyone to know he was there. And it says, just then, a Canaanite woman from the region came out. They'd hardly arrived and a Canaanite woman came down from the hills. Just then, out of the region, she, she was a Greek she was Syrophoenician. She, that's an elite designation. The Canaanites had inhabited the promised land before the children of Israel would forget that somebody was there before we got in, right? Tyre in modern Syria. She had either watched Jesus arrived or was drawn to this man known as a miracle workers. The Gentiles thought that, that, that the Jews were unclean and the Jews thought the Gentiles were unclean, but, but she needed to be heard. And in those days, women were counted as less than animals were usually part of the scenery. But in the text, it says... She starts shouting, pleading, Master, son of David, my daughter is afflicted. Can, can you see Sister Cyro, this, this elite designated person who, who's not supposed to be there? Something moved in her spirit that said you have to go past all the barriers. This extraordinary sense of connection with a child that made her do something she wasn't supposed to do. She started shouting. I don't care what people think. My baby's sick. Somebody has to do something. I, 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 I need to go and do something. I can't do it all myself, but I've heard there's somebody that can do something no one else could. She grabbed a diaphragmatic breath and set her vocal folds in motion and shouts toward Jesus using the language of Jewish faith because she thought he'd pay attention, like she had followed him all her life. Isaiah said, can a woman forget the nursing child, or, or show no compassion for the baby of her womb. Her baby was sick. We don't know what she had. We don't know if she was mute or blind or crying all the time or dwelling in places she had no business being or, or if she felt rejection or she was half-hearted. We're just told that she was sick. It's unclear if the mother was a single mother or a widower. Maybe she was like the 57% of African-American homes headed by single mothers. Perhaps her husband was busy. Perhaps there was some sporting event. Perhaps he just didn't believe what she believed. But whatever it was, I imagine she was thinking about watching her baby's first step. That baby that grew up under her heart when that first tooth came in, her articulation of mm, 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 tromping around the house, knocking over her keepsakes, that baby running through the house in her sandals. She didn't understand how mothers can call their children lazy or dumb or stupid or no count. She knew that her daughter had been copying her mannerisms. Ezekiel says, like mother, like daughter, she knew her baby was sick. She had prayed for this baby and now the baby was sick. She was the one that was responsible for teaching that baby and the baby was sick. And when something happens to your child, you move heaven and earth to make sure everything happens. Perhaps she was remembering the faces of mothers whose children were diagnosed with incurable diseases or mothers whose children were killed due to their ethnic or racial origin or mothers that fought to punish drunk drivers who were always let off the hook or mothers whose children were walking while black, brown, gay, or trans. Maybe she remembered the mothers who were unable to play, have their children play outside because of criminal activity in their neighborhoods. Maybe she was one of those that remembered mothers who protested and marched and died for somebody else's child to live. Maybe she wondered about those mothers that swallowed pain at the loss of their child because of their not lack of subject-verb agreement or marital status or hair color or attire. 
Maybe she remembered mothers who visited their children in prison. Whatever it was, the text says she started screaming at Jesus. That's mother's nature. The disciples, of course, came out. God bless us for disciples. The disciples came out and said, she's bothering us. Would you please take care of her? You know, they thought they belonged to some exclusive club. And there's always a disciple trying to stop Jesus's action. God bless all the disciples and armor bearers that they were. But I imagine Jesus wanted a sabbatical from them sometime. But can you see Sister Cyril say, I don't care what people think. My baby's sick. And Jesus does something we don't expect from our dear loving Jesus. Jesus begins a theological treatise. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says, I was sent for God's chosen people. They were offered the gospel first, the good news of the kingdom, the fulfillment of the promise of salvation and redemption. First right of refusal from the beginning of time, the promise has been to Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel, not to Hagar and Mala and the others. They get the second call. The woman comes back to Jesus, goes down on her knees and begs, Master, help me. Jesus says, here, stand in line and take your turn. These children are fed first and then you. Jesus then goes and does something we don't expect. Jesus calls her an insult, a dog. This bodacious mother knew she was out of her place. She was a Gentile. He was a Hebrew. Women didn't speak to men in public. She could have been stoned because of her action. Jesus calls her a dog. In Greek, calling her a dog meant she was audacious and shameless woman. To the Jews, it meant a house pet. Jews didn't have dogs for pets, but Gentiles did. She was debating theologically with a rabbi. We don't know the tone of his voice, but an insult is an insult. Can you imagine Jesus being rude and parochial? Maybe she had crossed the obstacle toward him, but maybe his cultural background was speaking louder than his divinity right then. But she went on autopilot because that's what mother's nature is about. Her instincts kicked in. Zora Neale Hurston once said, if you're quiet about your pain, they will kill you and say you enjoyed it. This foreign woman, this outsider, this mother stood toe to toe with Jesus and used Jesus' words because she remembered that she carried that, that baby, that, that, that she was the one that gained 30 pounds and couldn't wear her clothes. She was the one that had an aching black. She was the one that fed at three o'clock in the morning. She went to Jesus and said, I am part of the connective tissue with this child. Connective tissue that forms and connects and binds and protects and collapses and repairs and supports and separates. She stood flat-footed before the throne of grace and asked for mercy. She did what biblical scholar Dr. Mitzi Smith said she used sass, her attitude, and she wasn't going to back down. Bell Hooks said she began to talk back. The reality is sometimes things get so heavy, we have no choice but to talk back, to sass, to rail against everything that is against what we believe or what we need, right? Then she stood and she asked for mercy and she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She uses Jesus' own words. She had a quick wit. There are times, you know, that, that at that time that people didn't eat with utensils. They, they ate with their hands and they wiped with chunks of bread and what they didn't eat, they let fall to the floor for the dogs, the throwaway. The mother says, I will take your throwaways. I will take your trash. I will take your crumbs, but my baby is sick. I'm going to swallow my pride. I need a little mercy because mercy suits my case. Let some drops now fall on me. Can you imagine a loving God refusing this request? 
She didn't care what the response was. Her tone was that she needed Jesus to do something. And Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you wish. Jesus didn't have to go and touch the baby. Jesus just spoke it into existence. Her bold love and faith was rewarded. She didn't need to Facebook post her prayer. She didn't Instagram Jesus as her encounter. She didn't tweet what Jesus said to her. She went home as instructed and followed. Her problem was over. The baby that was dying was now living. She did not let her race or her gender or her religion or her self-esteem get in the way of what was happening. Can you imagine a mother then having a child given back to her? The, the look of love, that voicelessness, the, 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 the kind of amazement, the indescribable joy of that baby coming back. Humanity said it was over, but God said not yet. Can you imagine the tears and the dancing? That's the power and the purpose and presence of God. God is available to anyone that will ask, no matter what the barrier is. How many times have we prayed for something and asked God, and because it didn't show up the way we wanted to, we stopped praying? Mother's nature is you keep going and going and going until you get what God told you you could have. The text reminds us that living out mother's nature is more than a yearly recognition. It is more than a Sunday morning experience. It's more than a card or a text message or an email. It's more than a rose or a carnation or dinner or jewelry or an air fryer. Mother's nature is spiritual, it's sacrificial, it's selfless. Mother's nature is evident across the generations. Eve was the mother of humanity. Hagar became the outcast surrogate mother of a nation. Sarah became the mother of the covenant. Deborah was the other mother who didn't birth children but birthed the whole nation. Sifra and Pua were childless midwives that made sure all the babies could live. Jacobed gave physical birth to Moses, but Bithia took care of him as the adopted mother. Zephora birthed and raised sons. Rebecca had different Difficulty with twins, Jacob and Esau. Leah and Rachel were mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel. Bathsheba lost one child and God gave her another one. The widow Zarephath almost gave up and was going to sacrifice everything for her son. Rizpah wept over her sons that were murdered but left for public display. Jabez's mother called her son sorrow and, and Gomer was a mother with a past. Fatigued mother uh, in Proverbs praised, was praised by her children. Naomi were perpetually bitter but she was a supportive mother-in-law. Job's wife, Ramah, Sittas or Uzzah, depending on the tradition, lost seven sons and three daughters, but is remembered for what she said to her husband. Elizabeth and Hannah were older mothers, but brought, brought, they were brought forward by God to give birth in older age. Anna was a consummate church mother, the church mother, the church mother. Mary rejoiced and 33 years later wept over the death of her son. The widow of Nain mourned in the morning but had her son given back to her in the afternoon. Salome begged Jesus for special privileges for James and John and Lydia mothered an entire household. The Candace mothered everyone in their nation. Sister Cyril teaches us that mother's nature never gives up. It persists when all else seems to fail. It means she teaches not only her children, but all those in the neighborhood. It means she weps when she thinks any child is going hungry or finds ways to feed them. It means she learns to forgive even when her child has harmed her. It means that she goes to prison to see her children. It means that she puts off her own retirement to raise her grandchildren that her daughter cannot raise. It means that she imprints and nurtures and demonstrates mother's nature. William McPeace Thackeray said, mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of little children. 
Today, we celebrate mothers, the ones that are expected to be an ATM and financial wizard, a bully protector, a cheerleader, a class party caterer with two hours notice, a cookie and candy sales entrepreneur, a dance recital choreographer, a defense attorney, a dragon slayer, an echo verbatim, every public speaking presentation, an exerciser, a monsters in closets and under beds, family photograph or videographer, a field trip chaperone, a general medicine practitioner, a hand holder, a little becomes much a uh, top chef, a mender of broken hearts, a prayer warrior, a quarterback, a punter, a halfback, and a defensive end, a relationship counselor, a place, a school place seamstress, a, a science project guru, a snot wiper, a, a chauffeur for all sporting events, a storyteller, and a therapist for all kinds of emotional distress. That's mother's nature. Regina Bell sang about human thoughts and human actions when she said, if I knew I'd try to change the world, I brought you to. Now there isn't much more I can do, but, but I would if I could. That's why we understand we're not God. That's why we understand we have to go before God in prayer. Mama implored. Mother testified. Mommy prayed. My dear awaited. Mom entreated. Big mama taught. Grandmother tarried. Ma taught. Nana perceived. Granny reflected. Mare intoned. Mutter dreamed. Godmother hummed. Foster mother witnessed. Adoptive mom cried. Play mom believed. Grandma pleaded. Soldier mom intoned. Sister mom chanted. Auntie mom implored God to help them make a way out of no way. This mother thing is heart work. It is a silent tear work. It is stay on your knees praying work. It is not for weaklings. And we have to be careful as mothers because children look to us as models. If we lie, they lie. If we gossip, they gossip. If we raise hell for attention, they raise hell for attention. If we cheat, they cheat. If we abuse, they abuse. If we fight, they fight. If we don't take time for them now, they won't take time for us later. If we act one way at home and another way in public, they'll do the same thing. If we value them as marvelous creations that God made, nobody can devalue them. If we moan and complain about everything and whine, they will do it. But if we love them unconditionally, they will learn to love unconditionally. If we help others in need, they will minister to the world. If we are grateful, they'll be grateful. If we give them a second chance, they may give themselves a second chance. If we live in hope, they will live in hope. If we help them to understand who God is, we wouldn't have to be on the morning's bench every Sunday talking about why isn't my child in church. Mothers are human. Mothers are human. Mothers are human, not superhuman. They need to hear from God. Mothers walk past social restrictions, stand up and try it again, even doing the crumbs that come from the table. Our mother's nature is what God modeled, remembering that God's very nature as a holy parent, mother, and father, the boundless belief in God who answers even womb cries and the work of faith, the one like our sister mother in the text beholds, the one who was creative and compassionate and merciful and loving enough that even in his humanity could see some things that his divinity brought him back to. That same Jesus is the author and finisher of faith, the good shepherd, the holy one of Israel, the same one Isaiah called wonderful counselor and prince of peace. Today, we celebrate motherhood, not perfection, but motherhood. Today, we celebrate God-ordained status, a lifetime commitment, not one size fits all, not who's the best, not who has the most children, not who is always perfect. Today, we celebrate the one that can do everything. I understand how Anita, Bake, Anita Wilson put it. Who opens doors that I may not see? Jesus will. 
Who makes all my decisions for me as a mother? I know Jesus will. When I'm in trouble, he gives me a song and in the night season and all the day long, who makes me do right? Because I make a mistake as a mother. When I will do wrong, Jesus will. Yes, he will. He'll fight your battles. Happy Mother's Day. Try to be a mother sent by God and not perfection. God bless you.